Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to this Motorsport Magazine issue commentary podcast. Um, now, the point of these podcasts is to give you, the listener, an understanding of what goes into producing an issue of motorsport over the generally the four-week schedule that we have. Now, this podcast, we're focusing on the August 2017 issue of Motorsport, which is on sale now. Um, it's available from the Motorsport magazine uh, website on, on our shop. It's available in the USA if you check out Barnes & Noble. Um, and also, it's available as a digital edition. So today, in this commentary, we have uh, Lyndon, who is our staff photographer. Hello, Lyndon. Hi, Nick. We have Simon. Simon Aaron, who is our features editor. Hello, Simon. Hi, Nick. And Joe. How are you, Joe? Uh, very well, thank you. Can you hear me? I can hear you very well. You're That's set about some, one some foot from me. <laughs> right, so Joe is our deputy editor. So we've got a good team here to discuss uh, the ins and outs of the August 2017 issue. Now, what I would recommend is that if you have a copy of the magazine, um, pause this, go and get it. Um, uh, if you haven't got an issue, then um, pause this, go to the news agents and, uh, and pick one up. Because um, what we're going to do is we're going to talk through, oh, not page by page because it will take forever, but we're going to talk you through from the cover through to features. Um, and speaking of the cover, let's go straight in. We have um, Nigel Mansell's FW14B uh, on the cover, um, but it's not Nigel Mansell's crash helmet here. Joe, whose crash helmet is this? It's uh, Karim Chantok's uh, helmet, and he has driven the car for us and written about it, uh, and we think it's a, um, a world exclusive. Um, it's the first time that Nigel Mansell's um, championship-winning uh, 1992 uh, car has been driven uh, since, um, uh, since 1992, and Karim has uh, driven it for us at Silverstone, written about it, uh, and uh, it makes a very, very strong cover uh, image. I mean, there, there was some debate um, because we had t we have two cracking stories in uh, 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 in this particular issue, um, two cracking tests of um, uh, Formula One cars, and there was a toss up between this image and another one, which uh, which Nick you, you might want to talk about. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So um, so yeah, we, we're spoiled for choice really with this one because Corinne drove both the FW14B and the latest 2017 F1 Williams at a Williams fan day at Silverstone, which you may, you may have read about on our website um, or elsewhere, hopefully our website. Um, so yeah, we had a bit of an embarrassment of, of riches. We had the opportunity to put the latest car on the cover, the Martini liveried car, um, or the FW14B. And we had a good conversation around the office, and Lyndon was involved in this as well. He's shaking his head. He was there. He was, I was there. was not there. No, the it was the day I was off. <laughs> oh, was it really? All right, okay, he wasn't there. Um, so we we discussed whether we should put the latest car on the cover or the 14B, but I think in the end, this this picture looked great, didn't it? Uh, Simon's going to jump it was, in. It was partly the, partly the image, and and also we were sort of thinking about you know what's the strongest sort of story? What what would readers really want to read about? It's obviously a great get to have driven and tested the current. 2017 Formula One car. Uh, I've certainly never read a proper test of one of those during the season it's competing. Um, but at the same time, you can't get away from the fact that this is Mansell's championship winning Williams. Yeah, Red Five. Yeah, yeah. it's fabulous. And, and also the photograph was taken at Silverstone. And I think the 
the, the synergy, not a word I particularly like, but the synergy between Mansell, Williams, Silverstone, Williams having scored his first Grand Prix win at Silverstone, everything is. I just think, um, and, and, that, and that car, you know, which, which one, um, the FW40, successful though it is in relative terms, is it very unlikely to be winning at Silverstone this year? I think we, I think we accept that. Um, so I, I just, I just think the whole the package of uh, ingredients on the, on the Mansell cover were the, uh, were the, were the, it was the, it was the obvious, it was a difficult choice in many ways, but I, I still think it was the, it was the obvious choice. Yeah, I think, I, I think, hopefully we made the right call. It's a lovely shot. There's, the, the image. I mean, uh, it. I mean, Lyndon can assess it better than I can, but there's, there's something intriguing about this image it's not a composed studio shot of this car it's the car disappearing off out of a garage it's, it's, so it's watching it being as it's going out on its maiden run and seeing it appearing and disappearing shall we say so yeah to capture it as we have it's it, it's reminiscent of 92 and it's it's also current of now so how did everyone feel about Karun? Um, writing this piece. We know, you know, obviously a very accomplished driver. He's just back from Le Mans. He's a good, great broadcaster as well. His work on Channel 4 is fantastic. But I'll, I'll be absolutely honest, I was really nervous. I mean, I, I commissioned him, but I was still really nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Racing drivers aren't generally the most articulate. Um, but, yeah, what do you guys think? <coughs> I mean, Karun is articulate. I mean, there are a thing about certain Williams drivers. I mean, many, many moons ago, uh, commissioned Damon Hill to write a motorcycling piece for a magazine. He insisted on doing it himself, and it was you know it was hardly needed a comma changing. It was it was brilliant, and Karun's stuff didn't need much work either. It was it was it was very very good, and I mean he's got a strong association with. I mean he's the official Williams Heritage Test driver. The fact that they trust him to drive their cars, I think, means we should you know, we should certainly trust him to drive them for us. Uh, and also, I mean. It, it, I think the fact that he is obviously associated with Williams, I mean, you could argue that he's never therefore going to give a, a sort of dispassionate view of these cars. So, I mean, we should probably stress that, you know, this isn't a sort of a critique of the cars. This is a celebration of the cars. Uh, and uh, he did it He did it brilliantly, and especially, actually, with the Mansell car, where he writes very eloquently about being a... Uh, I think he was 10. He'll probably tell me he was, uh, he was younger than that. Well, uh, but as a boy, watching Red 5 and, and knowing about this car, and he's had this VHS video uh, as, as, as worn out from watching... Um, uh, Mansell uh, driving this car, and it was it was literally a childhood dream come true to uh, get behind the wheel. You, you could see the excitement on his face as he was getting in, and he had he had a Haynes manual for the for the Williams, and he was just getting everybody to sign it and flicking through it. And it was just it was like you say, seeing a schoolboy dream come come true. It was fantastic for him. Yeah, th this this being a kind of a behind the scenes podcast as well. I'll I'll, I'll, um, I'll mention that I saw him at Le Mans at the the, the drivers parade in in the city centre on the Friday. I went to the, there's a kind of a car park paddock area where the cars and the drivers assemble and there, you know, there's a lot of waiting around and the drivers are talking and gossiping and for some crazy reason they let me in. Um, and I walked up to Karun, I saw him there and said hello. And he was, um, I think he was talking to Rubens. I think he was talking to, or was, I think it was Rubens, it might, it might have been someone else. But he was showing him the pictures of the day. And all the other drivers were going, you drove, you drove the 14B, you drove, and he was kind of like, you know, he had this enormous grin on his face. You could tell that it really meant something. And and he was doing what probably the rest of us would do if we'd driven the 14B. We were showing off to our contemporaries, you know. Yeah. 
I think if I'd driven the 14B, I'd probably be in a hospital bed still. <laughs> yes, yes, me too. Um, yeah, well, 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 hopefully you're having a good look at this uh, feature now as, as we're talking about it. There, there's a lovely quote about how Corinne thought we could hear um, Murray Walker. You know, he, could, he, could, he felt like he could almost hear him as he's going down the, the hangar straight. So um, we, we hope we've done a good job with this. It's, it's such an evocative car story. And actually... I kind of see it as a tribute to Williams as well. You know, this is this is their 40th anniversary, and um, the fan day was a roaring success, from what I can see. It I was mean, the the turnout was incredible, and just seeing everybody there, being able to get close to the cars as well during the lunchtime, and and whatever else was put on around the circuit, it was. I think 50,000 people turned up. And you know, friends of mine were phoning me on the day saying, are you at Silverstone? Because they'd only just found out that day and managed to get in. And it was, if they can do it every year, I think this will be something that will be a raging success, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, just your, your story about Le Mans just reminded me in, in this piece, he, he sort of says at the end that um, uh, as he came back into the pits, there was Mark Webber and Anton Davidson and Ricardo and Massa. They were all there and he can't help himself, but, you know, just feel quite smug about the fact that he's got to drive this uh, uh, car and not them. Fantastic. Um, I tell you what, we'll move on because we haven't got we haven't got uh, much time, but we have got a huge amount of content uh, in this issue. Um, so, as a reminder, this is the August 2017 issue of Motorsport Magazine. Um, so, check it out. Um, let's. Where should we go to next, chaps? Should we go to the Rover SD1 Triple Treat as it's sold on the? Um, Contents page. I'll tell you, I'll tee this one up because um, I, I've been speaking to Dickie about this for a while. So this is Dickie Meaden, our um, contributing editor, expert, historic racer. Um, he's got an enormous soft spot for these SD ones that are emerging now as real. Um, they're attractions, aren't they? Huge attractions at, at, at historic racing around uh, around the country and around the world. And he has uh, driven um, back to back a Group One, a Group Two, and the ultimate Group A um, SD one. Um, and I tell you what, that opening shot is um, pretty cool. I would say. Um, yeah, it's a great shot. It's a great story. Who wants to jump in and tell me what they think about this um, this story? Oh, well, kick off, as I'm old enough to have covered the British Saloon Car Championship in period and actually wrote about Rover SD1s when they were new. Um, I do think I, the, um, one of the things, I know they're not period Goodwood cars, but one of the highlights of the UK racing season for me for the last few years has been the um, Group 1 recreation race, the Jerry Marshall Trophy, they have at the Goodwood Members Meeting. And there's a very high calibre of driver who takes part in that. And watching Capri's, SD1s and such like being hurled around Goodwood is just Dolomite sprints and so on. It's absolutely fantastic and it just it's just a lovely reminder of how saloon car racing was back then. I know nowadays it's a lot more competitive. You've got 30 cars in the British Touring Car Championship, of which the top 2024 are covered by a second in qualifying. And back when the Rover was around, it was a class system, so you had, you know, half a dozen Rovers and then you'd filter down to much slower cars. But the car, the car's body language back then, um, I mean, the racing's very good in the BTCC today, don't get me wrong, but the car's body language back then was just fabulous. And I, th I think uh, Dickie's done a great job of conveying what all three are like to drive. Yeah, tell us... Um Oh, he's going to jump in there, Joe. He's going to. Well, I was just going to say, just to agree with Simon, that one of the great things that comes out of this piece is seeing Dickie really nails the evolution of the cars as they go through, uh, you know, from from Group One, and it, it, and because he's such a 
good driver and sensitive driver, he can tell how the cars have improved through um, through uh, through each version, which is uh, which is which he nails brilliantly. Yep. Um, so, Lyndon, th- this is. Um, th- I mean, I've been on a number of race car shoots, yeah. um, and three cars um, that are thirty odd years old or so um, on track at Donington. Uh, one driver or one journalist driver. Some of the one, other guys were driving. Driver and one owner driver okay the other was uh, just delivered shall we say so tell us i mean the behind the scenes stuff that goes into it because they're, they're wonderful pictures and they look beautifully composed and they look quite you know the car looks mega but the shots are quite calm but i can imagine it was an absolute it was it was one of those obviously quite. working with dicky saying where are you going to do how many you know how many laps are you going to drive each car for um to try and capture every car in the same place and get a cornering shot, a pan shot and everything else was quite tricky. Thankfully, two cars came out at the same time. The The first time they both came out, one was going at walking pace and did stop. But thankfully, we managed to get it back into the pits and, and repaired and, and back out on track. Um, so it, the nightmare that could have been was avoided, thankfully. Um, but yeah, it was, it was handy. Dicky driving every car knowing where I was and where he was going to put the car um, made it a lot easier and then obviously we had we were lucky enough to, to be on track at lunchtime so we could do all the car to car and and get all three cars on track with with the owner drivers and and mechanics driving great stuff well I was gonna I mean you mentioned the opening shot which is just one of the best pictures I think in the mag um, how difficult was it to get that with all three cars together it was well, obviously we had well, yeah, it was, it was handy. We had two two proper racing drivers and a mechanic who was confident enough to get close enough to the car in front and, and to the camera car. And everybody followed my direction perfectly. So, yeah, we had we had a lap with all really? three. You don't have to be nice. You can tell, <laughs> no, no, you can tell the truth. <laughs> no, everybody was following my hand signals and uh, getting as close as I needed them so um you can tell that you can tell who were the two drivers and who was a mechanic with with distances but I'm never going to get a car to try and drive into somebody else it's always millimeter perfect so everybody as long as people have faith in me and I have a bit of faith in the drivers then we're we're happy no brake testing going on thankfully not although the the boot lid of the BMW lead car did did take a, a bathroom with the wind, so. Uh. Oh, that always happens. Um, there's there's a shot on page ninety six, well, a sequence of shots on on page ninety six of the of the, the Bastos car having a lovely slide. Um, we've also filmed. Um, yeah, we did a kind of a reportage film of this day. So if um, if you're listening to this, keep your eyes peeled on the Motorsport Magazine website because we will be. Um, delivering some video on this and there's some fabulous on board of Dickie getting this thing um, yeah <laughs> very crossed up um, lovely story so let's move on to another fantastic lunch now this is um, this is Simon's uh, lunch with with Mike Wilds and um, Simon over to you to be honest it's, it's, a, it's a great story a, a, a great guy um, works beautifully with this with this issue with the, with the balance of the issue so tell us a little bit more about your your lunch with Mike yeah, it was. Um, I thought he was a worthwhile subject. Not perhaps the most obvious because his Grand Prix career was um, short and a touch unsuccessful. But um, he's been racing for more than 50 years now. Uh, he did make Formula One. He was successful in the World Endurance Championship and 
still nowadays age 71. He's comp competing successfully in the Brit Car Endurance Series and elsewhere. Um, when I emailed him to ask whether he'd be interested in doing lunch, he called me back within about 15 seconds. I said, bloody hell, you must be hungry. Um, and, and he was just, he was so, so not, I mean, he's got, he's got no side to him like at all. His feet are completely on the ground. And he was so, so flattered that, um, that we'd, we'd asked him whether we, he'd, he'd like to do it. And uh, generally the, um, the format with lunch is that we ask the guest to choose a pub or a restaurant of their choice. Um, I won't say that money's no object, but we can be reasonably generous. We, we're allowed to be reasonably generous. Oh, don't give that away. Um, <laughs> but a, a, lot of, a, a lot of guests have very modest tastes, and Mike just wanted to go to uh, a, a pub in, in Wiltshire where he'd, uh, he'd sadly lost his first wife a number of years ago to cancer, remarried very recently, and they had the wedding reception at the pub in Wiltshire, and he loves it to bits and just said, well, could we, I mean, initially he, said, well, yeah. initially he said he'd come to meet us in London. He offered to pay his own, he offered to, you know, pay for his own food. <laughs> yes. I mean, he, he, yeah, he, he said he'd pay his own way. And we said, no, no, we'll, you choose the pub. We'll come, we'll treat you. And um, so we, Lyndon and I made our way to Wiltshire and had a, a, a lovely, lovely lunch and uh, the Royal Oak. And um, they had chatted to Mike for, a, I think the transcription was two hours and 55 minutes. Which uh, took a while to unravel, but yeah. he's just—he's got a fund of lovely stories because he came from racing in the 750 Motor Club, uh, the, in what was called the 1172 Formula in those days. He bought his first racing car before he had a road car, and he had a bicycle at the time. He hadn't really thought things through very carefully. Um, Setbacks by a couple of accidents and stuff early on. Then through a luck, couple of lucky breaks, he managed to get onto the professional ladder. As I say, he got to Formula One. And then when, when that all fell apart, he managed to find a succession of drives in all sorts of things and um, happily still racing today. Still racing today, absolutely. Um, and instructing as well. He's, he's, Instru he's yeah, he's, all, I mean, he's been a helicopter instructor. One of the first jobs he got um, after his Formula One career ended in 75, a mate of his was running a helicopter business. And Mike said he knew nothing about helicopters at all. Didn't know how to fly one, didn't really know what they were. But he, I mean, he, he did his research. He became a very successful helicopter salesman, learned to fly one, and he has also been a heli well, he's a qualified helicopter instructor, although where he's based in Wiltshire, it's, it's easier for him to do uh, motor, motor racing instruction just because of the lack of available uh, airfields nearby, nearby, but he does still keep his hand in with choppers as well. I think one of the great things about this um, lunch is, is that it really just shows how motorsport has infused his life just so completely and, and I think one story which I don't think made the final cut but um, was how he met his first wife who, who you mentioned that he he went to a race meeting with another girl came off when he came to saw and you'll tell the story better than I would but saw, 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 the, saw a, another girl um, leaning over him and, um, and, and that then became his wife and he forgot all about the girl that he sort of took, to the, took the race in the first place yeah that, that's a sort of condensed version yes he, he um yeah, he, he he took he took his girlfriend at the time to um, to Brands, Brands Hatch. Ended up in hospital after a big accident, Brands Hatch. But between arriving and uh, crashing, he'd been he'd started chatting up this other girl. And she, yeah, she when he did come to after a week or so, she was the one um, who was there in hospital when he woke up. And they did subsequently marry. And Mike told me that um, a couple of three years ago at Goodwood, he was. Uh, 
he was standing in the paddock and a lady walked up to him and said, excuse me, are you Mike Wiles? And it was girlfriend number one asking why he'd never, he'd never called about, he'd never called about 50 odd years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I mean, there, was, there, were, there, were lots of, there were lots of bits of Mike we could have, uh, we, we could probably have run the lunch to, um, yeah, to twice to twice the length if we included everything he told us, but uh, I, I hope people enjoy the will enjoy the edited highlights. We'll have to think of some way that we can, you know, we can offer the extended version, whether it's the text or the photography. You know, it's just them, them, there's, I know we, there's obviously work ongoing with digital editions and things like that, but. Um, yeah, bear with us because there is so much content. You know, it's incredible, isn't it? If you look at the, if you think of the volume of content that we produce per issue, um, we we pick the best, but there's probably still forty, fifty percent that just can't can't make it. Always the hardest part, isn't it? Deciding what what goes in and uh, and what comes out, and yeah, a, a sort of um, a kind of director's cut, if you like, somewhere would be mm. a great idea. Extended extended version, yeah. yeah. Um, right, so moving on, uh, let's go to ah oh, Simon. Let's let's. This is another one of your features. You've had a you have had a busy <coughs> busy month. Um, so the Jaguar XJ220 has uh, its 25th anniversary. Is that that right? Yep. Um, and uh, Simon, you you went up to visit the uh, so Don Laws. Yeah, Don uh, Don, Don Law Racing uh, took over the uh, responsibility for maintaining and servicing uh, the XJ220. Um, when I arrived in my um, cutting-edge Fiat Punto 1. It is a Ford 1.4 16-valve sporting model. But when I arrived in my um, <laughs> Punto in the leafy lanes of Staffordshire, I was very soon being to towards where I was supposed to be meeting uh, a group of other journalists. Um, I found myself being followed by an XJ220, and I thought initially that the I, w I thought that my uh, Punto's rearview mirror was you know, playing tricks. Yeah, obviously I knew what I was going to see, but the fact it just suddenly so loomed actual, up behind yeah. me, I thought, wow. Yeah. And it's still, it is 25 years old, and part of the reason we did it is that uh, I was one of a small group of journalists invited up to have a look at the Donlaw facility. It's part of the build-up to the Silver, this year's Silverstone Classic at the end of July, uh, where there will be a parade. They're hoping the biggest ever parade of XJ220s, including three uh, cars of the specification that raced at Le Mans in 1993, wow. where they scored a class-winning 10th overall before the ACO and Tom Walkinshaw fell out and suddenly there weren't a class-winning 10th overall. But anyway, um, so we went up there to, to have a look at the facility and, um, you know, I have to say, looking at the thing in my rearview mirror and subsequently on the ground, it doesn't look like a 25-year-old car in any way, shape or form. Not to my eyes. I mean, my eyes are a bit old and rubbish, but um, I still think it looks pretty damn near contemporary. It's... Um, an amazing looking thing yeah and yeah you know, with with i mean cars come from all around the world to don law's place uh, as he is the only kind of service center you can't really take it to halfords or quickfit and um you know there were 20 22 cars there at the time really? plus a lot of his other you know, the other stuff that he looks after he, people who know historic racing will have seen justin law don's son racing all sorts of things in recent years and um yeah they've got a litany of interesting cars there. I mean, there was a BMW M1 that took my eye, but I wasn't allowed to write about that because it was a Jaguar feature. Next time. Um, next yeah, time. well, may, maybe, but it's a you know, lovely looking car, and if you are going to the Silverstone Classic uh, at the end of July, you know, watch out for the parade because uh, they're, they're hoping to get 30-plus cars there. I, li I like to think that during that parade, we're up the front, there'll be a Fiat Punto 
and yeah, there'll, be, there'll be all these cars trying to get past <laughs> as, uh, as they were on the lane. So yeah, you, you yeah, know, there's, there's a bit more space around Silverstone than there is on the leafy lanes of Staffordshire. But it's, 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 it's quite interesting, that, or it's surreal almost, that you go to you know, rural Staffordshire, it's area I know well, it's adjacent to Cheshire where I grew up, and um, you know, there's this workshop just kind of set off to the side of a lane and wander in, and there's so much, you know, fantastic automotive engineering. Uh, it comes across in the story. It's, it's, it's a great piece, and, and the car um, has, has had a hell of a life, I think. You know, the, the, the fact that it was originally supposed to be V12, and uh, customers got very upset when it went to a VC. I mean, this, this, this car is, um, yeah, it, it's got a hell of an autobiography. I think you've done a great job um, condensing it in, into this story. So, um, so. Well, I was going to say, also, I just love the, 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 the from the horse's mouth tale of its, of its origin as, as, as a Saturday club, as something that the engineers uh, did in their own time. Um, oh, it was a uh, real Skunk Works project. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, because Jaguar would never have financed it. Uh, but by doing it in their own time and giving Jaguar something, they, you know, make it, giving them a car so good they really couldn't refuse it. Um, but, yeah, the, the development costs were to, to, to Jaguar were, were pretty much nil. Yeah, interesting. I mean, the... the the SVO setup now over at Jaguar Land Rover. They they hate the phrase skunk works. They think they're much much more than that. But it has a. I've been over there and it's a similar vibe. I would imagine to when when the XJ220 was was created. You know the work that they're doing over there is is pretty extraordinary at the moment. And and it it feels like it's they've given certain people within the business the, the creativity and the freedom to kind of express some really fabulous ideas you know so it's nice to see that it lives on in, in, in a way and it, the, I mean I, I use the phrase skunk works because that was the phrase that Absolutely. Keith Helford who designed the thing yeah. came up with I mean it, that, 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 was, that was his term suits it beautifully um Okay, so let's let's move on now. There's um, the Hall of Fame. So we had a fantastic Hall of Fame this year. Um, you may have heard a lot about this already. There's been some great photography, some fun video on on our website. It was a it was a great event, and um, I won't. I won't say much more about it. I would advise you to go and have a look at our website for some even more images from it. But a great night, chaps. Do you, do you enjoy yourself? Uh, a fantastic time. I mean, it's just always such a treat to um, sort of be in the same room and, and get the chance to talk to um, uh, people who you you know you, you'd never think that you'd, you'd, you'd get the chance to talk to. Um, and I thought this year especially was great. And I've got to, I've got to mention the, the the Nigel Mansell and Murray Walker. Double. Go for it. I mean, absolute showstopper when they came up to uh, accept Nigel's um, prize, which which Murray gave to him. Um, and uh, no, I got that wrong, didn't I? Yeah, it was the other way around. No, 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 yeah, we asked him not to give it away. <laughs> he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, someone else, gave, someone else gave Nigel his prize. Sir Patrick Head, who uh, presented Nigel, like Murray and uh, Nigel, Patrick and Nigel were a great, great double act. And uh, as it is, as you say, it's, it's lovely to, um, I mean, it's obviously a privilege to be part of the team that's involved in promoting the event. Um, but it's it's the reaction, the response of the people who come along. Um, I mean, Murray, he won't mind me saying he's now 93 and a half. Um, and getting out to events is not the work of a moment for him. But I, I sat next to him, um, known him for 30 odd years. And he just, he just I mean, he he had such a fantastic... I know he emailed the office to with his thanks, as a lot of other people have. But he just had such a fantastic time. And it's, it's the response of the guests that makes it worthwhile to me. When he's... When he's 
obviously we're slightly impartial because we're involved. But when you actually see the effect it has on the guests and how much they enjoy themselves, to me that that's the that's the key. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, Lyndon, you, you some it's great shots there as well. You were there was your first, it was my it was, first it was, Hall of yeah. Fame, your first Hall of Fame. Um, you were in the thick of it, weren't you? It was, and, it, and going on from what Simon was saying about the people that are there, it's it's in, it's so exciting to see people who are like your heroes meet their heroes. Mm. You know, like with Tom Christensen meeting Brian Redman, and and just seeing how excited everybody is to be there, and 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 the whole event. You know, like I say, is is it was our first time, but. You're rushed off your feet, but it is also a really relaxing and great, great atmosphere to be part of. Yeah, it's very, very, you know, I guess we would say that. But, it, 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 you know, we'd love to be able to, you know, transport, teleport our readers into it, you know. And, and hopefully we'll be doing that with, with, the, with some videos and some more uh, footage on the, on the website over the next few weeks or so. But, um, yeah, I, it was, um, I, I pinched myself on a few occasions. It really was. Well, taking your selfie of uh, you and Nigel. Oh, was, the Oscar was the selfie. Yeah, yeah. That was. I, just, I, I felt slightly embarrassed doing it, but they were, we were all there backstage. Uh, John Watson, Dario, Tom Christensen, Nigel Mansell, and then Jenny and Jenny and myself. And I just, I'm sorry, guys. And Mansell was Nigel was getting his uh, his microphone set up and everything. I said, I've got to do this. I'm really sorry. And I, yeah, I did the did a selfie. So um, that's on on our on our motorsport magazine Twitter feed and, and my my Twitter feed as well. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's one for the one for the wall. <laughs> so um okay moving on now so uh so we've looked at IndyCar and in particular the evolution of um of of the car itself in in, a, in from a safety perspective because we had we've had some dramatic incidents and accidents recently in in IndyCar and um while there's been some bumps and bruises and um from Sebastian Bourdais perspective I think a, a broken pelvis the accidents that we've seen um would have been fatal um, not so long ago so um we wanted to have a look at um how a driver in particular how sebastian bourdais um can survive an accident like this and um I think our, um, our writer, uh, John Oriovitz, um or Oreo Biscuits, as he's been nicknamed in the office, um, has done a really good job. I think he's done a great job, Joe. He's done, he's done a great job, and he, uh, he's, he's got great access. Um, he obviously knows, I mean, we all sort of follow it, but he is a US-based journalist. He, he, follows, um, uh, he follows IndyCar, and he uh, can talk to all the right people, which, is, which, is really, which really comes across in this piece. And, and he talks um, uh, very insightfully about... Uh, First of all, about the accidents that have happened and why they happened, and then what uh, the series has done to try and make things um, uh, much safer. Um, I mean, what's what actually also, I mean, as well as people surviving some of these um, terrible accidents, is is the uh, what comes across is is the fact that you know there have been some really very nasty crashes, um, especially when compared to Formula One over recent years uh, in IndyCar. Um, so I think it's a really timely piece and uh, and. You know, well put together and uh, uh, and uh, it makes for sobering but very interesting reading, I think. Yeah, and uh, IndyCar, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're fully committed with the next generation vehicle to ensure that um, sa- safety is, is improved all the way, uh, you know, uh, uh, along along the way. So it's, um, yeah, Simon, did you want to... <coughs> yeah, I, I have to confess, I haven't um, yet read the feature because I was uh, elsewhere when that part of the mag was being put together, but... Um, I was listening to IndyCar radio during qualifying when Bourdais had his accident. I know Sebastian pretty well. I've worked with him in Formula 3000 and F1 and stuff in the past. And um, 
I was pleased that I heard the accident rather than seeing it because when I did subsequently see a replay, I think I'd have been, I'd have, you know, it was pretty brutal. And um, I've lost a couple of drivers to whom I've been close in IndyCar accidents, Gonzalo Rodriguez in 1999 and Justin Wilson in 2015. Um, the racing's very exciting. I do sometimes wish that they'd, you know, it wasn't quite as hazardous as, as it sometimes appears to be. Um, but I'm very relieved that Sebastian got away with what are relatively light injuries. I know that um, he put something up on Twitter a couple of days later saying he, w he wasn't going out for a run that afternoon, but he, but he, but he was heading in the right direction. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm I'm looking forward to reading it, and I'm I'm pleased to see that measures are being taken to reduce the casualty count because you know from personal experience of uh, you know I have been a little bit too close to a couple of tragedies. Let's um, let's take a look now at the we have a photo essay following uh, the IndyCar story. Now this this is. Um a surprise and delight. This feature. is one of the best things <laughs> in the magazine. You <laughs> can't not like slot cars. Simon had his way. This this would be the, the cover, cover story, wouldn't it? With, no, a, with a Capri Mantle's slot car. Well, maybe a Capri slot car. I mean, Man Mansell or an SD one. Uh, Mansell's FW14B versus slot car racing. It's 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 a, it's, it's a tough call. But I have to say, Lyndon, the, this, this is all your handiwork, and uh, I think I think the images are great, uh, absolutely lovely, and and the story, the accompanying story, is wonderful as well. Tell us more about it, Lyndon. Tell us about the day. Tell us. About, oh, well, tell us. I mean, you must have had a while of a time. It, it doing kind it. of followed on from my my Wimbledon essay, and and we were thinking of what other strange or unusual events we could go to, and and thankfully there was the slot car festival at Gaydon. So uh, a couple of emails, and I was in. Um, <laughs> it was just. It was such a big kids day it was fantastic i went with a friend of mine and i have to say we did get rather caught up on the drag strip um, okay with, tell us more. with our reaction times and it did turn into quite a big competition um of just trying to trying to beat the green oh, yes. light and beat each other but um this is one there's, there's a shot isn't there page one three six where it crosses over one three six one three seven i think where you can see there's the you there's a young the uh, young girl and boy playing stick. with it. Yeah, yeah, it's also on one three five where you've got the staging oh, yes, lights. One three five, yeah. Um, but it was it was just one of those days where you see ages from five to fifty and and beyond that of of people. Everybody's had a slot car. Everybody's had scale electrics. Everybody's had the Aurora, and it was just it was self indulgent basically. And I got some good photos. Well, I think the reader will get a lot out of this. I mean, it, you know, the, the, the Tamir story we did uh, a couple of months ago, the Slot Car Festival, Wimbledon, you know, the, the, all of these things kind of form our love of racing. It's not, you know, it's not just Formula One. It's not just Capri, Simon. You know, there's the, there are slot cars and models. It's Alton Park as well. And there's Alton Park. So um, we're, we're going to continue with this, aren't we, Joe? This, this, um, the weird and wonderful type feature every so. issue. Um, you know, I mean, um, Lyndon's nickname in the office now is Annie, as in Annie Leibovitz. <laughs> is now doing he's uh, made a niche for himself to do these fantastic kind of uh, photograph uh, photo essays uh, which really get under the skin of, uh, sort of unusual and delightful and, and, and lovely kind of events that are, that are going on all the time uh, and this is this is a, a great example and um, and actually the other thing about slot cars is that um, uh, the wonderfully named Julie Scale um, owner of Scale Models who is one of the people who puts this uh, puts this event on um, 
uh, made the point that this is it crosses the generation, so you can get grandparents playing with uh, yeah. grand grandchildren, and uh, you know the son in the middle kind of thing. So you've got yeah. it, it's not like um, uh, it's other types of sport or even computer games, which maybe the granddad might not fully understand or be able to play. It, it plays across generations, and that's what made it such a such a lovely event. Which 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 is hard as a accreditation for the Monaco Grand Prix or the UK Slot Car Festival? Definitely Monaco Grand Prix. I mean. <laughs> You know, like I said, a couple of emails to Julie, and I was in. Oh, that's brilliant. I hope. I mean, I hope they. I hope they like this. This story. I. I. I, I get a sense of pride when we're able to reflect people's passion in this way, and I think you've done a really good job. And you know, the, there was the British Championship there, and just watching the determination and the way people were behind the scenes setting their cars up for the races. It was. It was like being back in another paddock, but yeah. just one thirty-second scale. 30 seconds. <laughs> Fabulous. Except at the end, at, at the end of the drag race, to stop the cars, there's a, a cardboard box full of styrofoam. What's it? Yeah, <laughs> what's it? <laughs> <laughs> the high tech only goes so far. There's no parachutes. Yeah. Well, that would be cool, though, wouldn't it? Little scale parachutes. One thirty-second scale parachutes. Yeah. yeah. Listen, guys, we we are running out of time. Sadly, I I I I hope. I hope, as if you're listening to this, I really hope you've enjoyed it, and I and I hope you've um, enjoyed the way we've been able to talk through some of um, the features in 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 the magazine. As I say, this is the August 2017 issue commentary of uh, Motorsport. Please check out uh, if you haven't got a, 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 a copy already. Please check it out in in all good news agents in the states and Barnes and Noble Australia. It's it's all over the place. The digital edition too. Um, check out Motorsport Magazine's website um, for more information. Is there anything else, guys, you want to add? Any, what, 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 what slipped through the net this month? What haven't we talked about? I might just mention Simon, uh, Simon's maiden trip to the Isle of Man. Uh, and he came oh, of back course. Kicking himself. But this is, he's, he's waited so long uh, uh, to, 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 go, to go over there and watch the racing. Yeah, I have to say that was um, a real treat. And it's something I've wanted to go and watch I know I'm supposed to write about cars rather than bikes but I do like watching bikes um, it's something I wanted to do for years and years and years and years and years this year Dunlop very kindly invited me to join them and um, yeah why have I waited I could have gone 50 odd years ago why didn't I it's uh, if you haven't done it you should and I know that people talk about the same I'm going back into the tragedies again now but um, I know people talk about the safety aspect, but nobody is holding a gun to anyone's head and making these guys go and do this, guys and guys and girls. Um, typical British superbike race, you get 25, 26 bikes. On the Isle of Man, you get 70. Typically in the UK, if you see a sidecar race, if it's a national event, you might get 20, 22 uh, outfits. Isle of Man, there are about 40. I think the numbers tell their own story. Um, you know, people want to do this event. They love the challenge. And it was fascinating to mingle, to have the privilege of mingling in the paddock, just being up close to guys like Michael Dunlop, William Dunlop, Peter Hickman, before they got on their bikes to go out and take part in the in the in the TT. Just being, you could, I mean, actually, I can feel, I can feel the hairs on my back. They started standing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, but just standing there and watching them, they all had different. They all react in different ways. Some of them are cut off, isolated. Others see you standing there with a the camera and they turn and smile and wave at you and even though they've no idea who you are. It's just oh, just such a, an all-consuming event. I think we should all agree to go. 
next year. Yes. I think just we'll get a group of us together and we'll go. Um, maybe if we if we quit, quick and I've I've been a couple of times hired a bungalow with some some mates, and that's probably the way we should. Do You've it ridden next a year. bike around the course. I have ridden a bike around there. Yeah, yeah. I managed to survive that and nearly not survive a <laughs> a thirty mile an hour on the road. But um, I, I absolutely loved it. So um, Be, being Lydia. married to a Manx girl, it does uh, it holds a special place to my heart as well. Oh, there's a there's a revelation in this uh, podcast. We, 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 I wasn't aware of that. We could go and stay your in-laws. Stay the mother-in-laws, stay. yeah, 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 space. Okay, right, we're booked in. Um, listen, I'll quickly run through what else is in this issue and then, and then we'll call it time. So we have uh, Formula One Frontline with Mark Hughes. Um, he's dissected the McLaren crisis. That's on page 33. Uh, international news, GT3 news, historic news, uh, rallying news, events of the month. We have our columnist, Dickie Mead and uh, Richard Williams, uh, another fantastic column uh, from Matt Oxley. Um, and then we have road car news, road tests, letters. Uh, a good you were there this month. Um, Simon's fantastic column about the TT. Um, more great stuff from Gordon and Doug Nye from the archive side of things. And the parting shot on page 192. We'll be back in around four weeks, I should think. So around the end of July, um, dissecting the September 2017 issue of Motorsport. Um, I hope you can join us. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. Thank you. And thanks to Lyndon. Thank um, you. Yeah, stay tuned. Uh, we'll see. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. See you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.